Welcome to the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you want to learn how to make money writing music for TV, films, and ads, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today for a free video series all about how to write music specifically for use in TV shows, films, and commercials. Music, Money, and Life is the podcast that brings together the best minds in music licensing, music publishing, music marketing, and more together in one place. Learn how to license your music and market your music. Learn the latest cutting-edge techniques for getting your music heard and making money from your music. Learn directly from the musicians and industry insiders on the front lines of the music business. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. Every positive review helps us rise up the ranks in iTunes, gain more subscribers, and attract more and more great guests. And now, without further ado, here's today's podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. Today, I'm speaking with singer-songwriter Dan Frechette, based out of Canada. And, and, and Dan, I was thinking about this before we started recording. I know we've been Facebook friends for at least a couple years, but I don't remember exactly how, how we connected. Do you know how we originally connected on Facebook? Well, there is a website that you put together called How to License Your Music, and... Uh, I recall signing on to that and it was around the time that I was actually, I'm actually based in California and because uh, mm, of my wife, sorry. my wife lives here. My wife's from here. So at the time when I, when I was writing you uh, back in 2014, you had a license, uh, how to license your music web website, which I was looking into at the time. But what happened was I, I had gotten my green card right around the time that I was writing you so I guess I dropped all of that project in my mind and just went straight to touring and playing shows because that's that's my biggest passion is um, taking my music out on stage so uh, I, I I guess I dropped the ball on it but I was getting your emails and uh, reading up on that and now I'm actually thinking of resuming that because especially now with the quarantine there's no more shows yeah. so uh, it, it'd be a good time right now I think maybe it's a good time maybe it's not a good time to uh, look into licensing, but, uh, that's, yeah. I was actually, I actually did the same thing the other day. I went on my uh, email and looked back and I was looking at our Facebook and I was looking at emails to see when I connected with you. And it was in 2014. So, okay. So, so a few years, so you're, you're based out of California now, but you're cl clearly from Canada. Where are you from? originally? Yeah. yeah. I'm from like the Manitoba, Winnipeg. I, I grew up in a little town that, that had more deer than people and more mosquitoes than blood cells. So <laughs> I was a very isolated place that had a lot of songwriting. Uh, it was surrounded by a river and very, very inspiring little town called Penawa that I grew up in. Nice. And where are you? Where do you live now in California? What area? Uh, I'm, I'm up in a little, little cabin up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So I'm living up close to... Uh, it's a little town, a little unincorporated place called Bonnie Dune, and I've been here for about five years now. So it's 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 been a good place. I think I'm really grateful to uh, be uh, in another inspiring place. Like this is another uh, very ser serene, quiet place to be. Especially nice for a pandemic. I like to sit sit this pandemic out. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the population? Oh, I would say probably about a thousand to two thousand people. Kind of like the town I grew up in. About yeah. the same. I don't. They don't know. All know me though. Like in Penawa, they all in that town. They all knew everything. Here, here, I don't think anyone really knows anyone too much. It's different. Um, a little more isolated for sure. So no, what has the? I, sorry to cut you off. What has the 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 lockdown situation been like for you? I mean, I know in Los Angeles and in the bigger cities, it, it it's been kind of crazy. Has it been relatively peaceful where you are? Yeah, you know, if I don't read the news too much and I don't get too uh, messed up from that, I'm, I'm some days go by and I just go, I'm, I'm just so focused on gardening. Uh, that's what I've started doing a lot since the pandemic kicked in. We have a killer garden out there. It's amazing, California. Things really grow here, <laughs> and uh, I just, uh, you know, I've been spending a lot of time just being open to the muse, you know, which is really good as a songwriter to to have your uh, your antenna, you know, wide open. So I've written some good songs and I've been going up to my little shed. I have a shed where I live uh, that's been converted into a recording studio and it has a drum kit in it and bass and a lap slide, a couple other little instruments. But 
most of what I'm doing is just spending my time recording and uh, just getting my stuff down. Like I've written a lot of songs in my life. So uh, that was really important to me is to get them recorded in a way that I can live with it instead of just a, a crappy garage band demo, you know? Um, yeah. So the songs are, are getting laid down properly now and that feels good. So I'm getting a lot of time to do that and hiking, like lots of hiking. We're, I'm hiking probably three to five miles a day. So nice. that helps a lot uphills and stuff. Yeah. 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 There's definitely been, been sort of an unintended upside to this whole pandemic. And I've, I've talked to a lot of friends who, you know, they're drinking less because they're not going out as much. They're spending less money. They're spending more time in nature. So it, it's, it's, there's definitely an upside there if you, if you can find it. And another thing I did too, when it first kicked in is I, uh, went to my insurance for my car and lowered the pre lowered the, the, uh, the, the, the cost by, you know, cause I realized I'm only gonna be driving like probably 10 miles a month. So yeah. I think, I think, I think my wife's on her third gas, uh, second gas tank since this started. So we're, you know, realize we're, you're still in the first gas tank. Wow. So anyway, we're, um, we're like basically like really hunkering down, you know, like really what it is is we're taking, uh, anything that was ex like excess, you know, um, we we're we're not doing any. We're not going to restaurants. Uh, we're just cooking. You know, Laurel's got some more cooking recipes going. They're really good. Um, there's just a lot of. To me, it's almost like I feel like I'm retired, you know. And huh. I was playing 150 shows a year, and and I was. I remember, like the end of last year, I was thinking I was going. God, it'd be nice to take 2020 and just chill out a little more and not play so hard because it's kind of starting to harm my body it was starting to get achy and painful all the time because uh, i'm hauling gear around all the time and all that and uh here i go now i got my big uh, retirement you know you got your you got your wish but i'm still a workaholic and i'm still like really wanting to do stuff i can't just i can't just sit around you know so uh it, it's really good because it's refocused a lot of my workaholic tendencies into other things that I wasn't thinking about before. Like, you know, going back over my old songs, you know, and uh, I didn't have time for that. I was writing new songs. So I'm now I'm going back and that's good. That's really good to do. Absolutely. Well, well listen, let, let's do this. The, the reason that I wanted to bring you on, Dan, it, as you know, is um, uh, a few days ago, I, I made a post about Spotify and I posted a graph showing what Spotify and Pandora and YouTube and all the major streaming platforms, what they pay per stream. And this has sort of been a subject that I've been interested in exploring. I wrote a blog post about this recently, but you made a comment and, it, and, and I'm sort of paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was something along the lines of, uh, fuck Spotify, <laughs> if I, if I recall correctly, and that Bandcamp ha has worked much better for you. So I want to get into that topic before we do though, let's, let's tell people a little bit about your background because I know you're, you're a really prolific singer songwriter. I, I was reading on your website that you have somewhere in the neighborhood. What, what is it like 1200 songs or, or some amazing number of, of songs. And I know like you, 1500, songs, know it's like, 1500 songs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's gone up a lot, like 1500 and uh, 1550 actually. And I'm, you know, I catalog everything. I'm a, I'm a Virgo. I'm pretty organized. Yeah. So I have uh, videos of me playing all my songs. I have MP3s of me. I have uh, uh, photographs of my songbooks. Um, I have like extensive files that that's why a lot of a lot of it's really easy for me to get back in touch with old songs from the past, some that I might have written one day and then I didn't play it again. And it was back in 98. And I can go back to that song and, and see the actual see what I was doing on my fingers, see how I played those chords and all that stuff. It's really good to do. Um, so what I did was, uh, when I was a kid, I started writing in Penawa. I was like about 12, 13 years old and I had a 12 string guitar, which I still own. And I, uh, really got into it. I was uh, insp inspired by all the people. Actually, this is a really good thing to bring up is that, um, when I was a kid, uh, this is talking 1992, 93, 91, and I was starting to play guitar. The people who were on top of the charts back then were people who I could imagine being in a room with for longer, mm. you know, a while. Like I can hang out with these, like I could hang out with Tom Petty. I could hang out with the Traveling Wilburys. I could imagine that I could 
actually have a conversation with Michael Stipe. I imagine that I actually could be friends with these people. And the reason being is that um, back then, the loner in the corner, you know, in the high school loner in the corner still made it. They still made, they made it out of their um, kind of their formative doom and gloom and, and would, and they would get uh, through the music business back then they would get breaks and they would go out there and the music business back then the spotlight was shining on for more, more so than now people who were introverted loners who really dedicated themselves to their craft and, and wrote songs. And, and I think the spotlights moved over now it's changed because into the nineties, like once it got to 98, 99, 2001 or whatever, I started realizing a lot of these heroes of mine, they were still out there playing, but they weren't number one anymore, you know, and the people that were making it really big and in the new millennium were people that I, I couldn't relate to the music and I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. So I started going like I, I had a, a, a an awakening when I was 25 because when I was 17, I got signed to EMI Publishing in Toronto and uh, they had me uh, writing songs and they, they loved what I wrote. And I was a little kid and I had my 12 string guitar and I was more folky stuff. But when I moved to Toronto to babysit the deal, uh, I think what they really, the real truth came out was they wanted me to write number one pop hits, like songs for like Hanson, that band. They wanted me mm -hmm. to write a follow-up hit for them. And so I, uh, I started realizing that being ambitious was actually a bad thing. And in my mid-20s, I found a book called uh, Be Here Now. Uh, it was a Buddhist, based in Buddhism book. Ram Dass? Is, is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it changed it changed my life because I started realizing that the ambition. I mean, I could still have my music. I could still be a singer songwriter. I could still be uh, happy to play for people. It didn't matter if it was like a hundred thousand people or ten people. And I started realizing that there was all these tools I needed to like build within myself so that my ambition looked almost like it was the problem, and it wasn't something I was going to just jump on every opportunity and celebrate every opportunity. And this is what brings me to where I wanted to talk to you about a lot of what's going on now in the business. Because back in the day, in the 80s and 90s, there was A&R people out there. There were people looking for people. And there were people who were out there, and, and in the 70s especially, if you had a great live show, you had a crowd. If you had a crowd, you had a record deal. If you had that, because that's what the focus was back then. You noticed a lot of the bands in the 70s had a really great stage presence they had um good songs they, you know some going on nowadays it's not about that it's more about twitter it's about your instagram it's about your fashion it's about how good yeah. you look it's about how cool you look so that all changed and it's all changed irreparably i can't see it going back to that maybe it might i don't know but my my situation was i had to like try to survive being me 100 100 yeah. dan Forchette in this new framework, like how the hell am I going to make me survive in this, in this nightmare where, you know, everyone's like glossed over and really sexy and really young and really getting out there. And, 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 and it's a different world now. So I discovered um, early on, there was uh, lots of bars. I was playing, I was playing bars, playing drunken bars, playing for promoters and things were really kind of, getting old for me. I was going, I was really tired of like printing out tickets and begging my friends to come to the shows and just trying to look like some cool guy on the block, you know, with my cool poster and all that crap. And I discovered house concerts around that time. It was like 2005 or six. I started playing house concerts and I really believe that that was when things changed for me the most. Cause I realized I was playing for people mostly older who owned homes, which I probably never will own a home. And they had, they like grew up listening to music I liked and they understood me, you know, they're like, okay, these people get it. And it's more about the heart. And it's more about uh, like, we're all making a, a, a magical memory through music, like a, a performance, like I'll, I'll show up at their place and play in there. And I'm used to going to people's homes. I don't mind being in someone's living room. I don't mind sleeping in their spare room. It really doesn't bother me. So I fell right into the house concert thing and I've done like 1500 house concerts now. And uh, wow. it, it really helped a lot. Like I, I've basically sold more records that way because people buy hard copy that are in that age group. 
And um, there's a lot of folks who are that age and they're kind of going, why the hell aren't they making CD players anymore? What the hell's going on? And I think honestly, my friend, is we're, we're in the middle of a war where Apple and Spotify and all these people are, they're winning a war against independent music. They are actually, they, they've got it. They're, they've, out, they've outsmarted us. They've invented software uh, so that we're, we're, we basically have to feel bad if we want to charge for our music and we want to have uh, a price tag on something that took us like sometimes two to 10,000 or 15 or $20,000 to produce. And yeah. that's one reason why Bandcamp, um, I got into this whole, like I got to get on Bandcamp because in 2012, people were telling me, oh, you got to get on, uh, you know, you got to have your music out there. And I'm going, okay, I've got, at the time I had like 15 albums or 10 albums. And I was just going, okay, if I go on CD Baby, which is what an artist like I have to do, like an independent musician, we'll go on cdbaby.com and we'll find the link and we'll upload our album. And it takes like a long time, like an hour or two to like enter all this stupid info. And then you pay these people 60 bucks or sometimes there's a sale. Most of the time it's 60 bucks per record. And then I noticed I did that a few times and I never made the 60 bucks back. Like I didn't get the money back. So I went, okay, this is called gambling. And my uncle uh, died at 40 from gambling. He was a hardcore gambler and he had a heart attack and he died. So I have it. I'm an anti-gambler. I'm just telling you all this so you understand me, why I'm so stubborn, why I am so against it, why I'm who I am. And I just said, I'm not going to gamble. I don't want to go out there and join every organization that I have to join to be a singer songwriter in this stupid business. I don't want to go out there and be, you know, uh, a member of Folk Alliance. I don't want to go out there and be a member of this and that. Because you know what? I'm giving 60 bucks, 80 bucks, 100 bucks, 60 bucks per record. And I don't probably ever see that money again. And it's supposed to make me look legitimate. And I just think that's the funny thing. Nowadays, the music business has changed from A&R people out there looking for talent. And now it's turned into these same A&R people are banking on dreamers. They're taking people with stars in their eyes. They're taking people with rich parents and, and they're giving them these opportunities online and everyone's just shelling out the bucks for some dream. And some people, maybe it goes somewhere for them. But I started looking and going, you know what? I'm going to go on Bandcamp because they don't charge. Number one, they don't charge anyone to listen to me. You don't have to pay to listen to my links on Bandcamp. I don't have to pay to upload my music to Bandcamp. And when I get a download, I get 85% of the money. And then on the days when uh, Bandcamp Friday happens, this is the first Friday of the month, every month during this pandemic, Bandcamp has generously offered 100% of the proceeds to all the musicians on Bandcamp for yeah. downloads. Yeah, I saw so that. I go, you know, like these people are saintly compared to Daniel Eck uh, from Spotify. Like, would you ever imagine he'd do that for anybody? Like that's, it's the kind of thing where I just go, I'm, I'm fighting a war against this Spotify and Apple music. I don't have any of that stuff on my devices. Um, yeah, it, I it, took it, it all off. It's fun. No, no, I was going to say it's funny, Dan. I, um, for the first time in years, uh, I'm in a quarantine side project, a band called Bandits of the, of the Apocalypse. And we, great name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love the, we love the name. We love the name. And we decided to, to put out a CD on, on Bandcamp and we put it out and we posted it on Facebook and we, we made a few hundred bucks. We didn't make a lot of money, but, it, I was thinking about it. it was the first time in years, probably 10 years that I, that I've even thought to ask for money directly from my music. And so I was really thinking about this, this issue and reflecting on this and, and, and doing research and, and I'm working on this blog post and I came across this Rolling Stone article about Spotify that breaks down how much money Spotify takes in and where the money goes. And the average artist on on Spotify, out of I believe I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe it's two point nine million artists. The average artist makes twelve dollars a month 
on Spotify. And of course, there, there are, there's a small percentage that, that do, do more than that. But it seems like even when, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of artists on this podcast and I've done a couple segments on Spotify and I've found artists that are able to generate, you know, a couple million streams a month. But it seems, seems like wild. even or a couple million streams a, a quarter, I want to say, like I interviewed one guy who said he was making between one and two thousand dollars a month you know, from millions and and millions of of streams, which is pretty cool that he's able to make that. But it's still, when you look at it relative to other professions and relative to, you know, I think the number that I saw was to to make the equivalent of minimum wage on Spotify, you need 15,000 streams per day, every day. It works out to about 450,000 streams a month. That's for one person. So if you're in a band, multiply that by the number of band members. So... I, I guess the point is, it seems like part of the problem, though, is, is we we live in a culture where consumers really expect music to be free. So, you know, when you're selling your music on Bandcamp, do you feel like it's sort of an uphill battle to get people to buy your music? Are you is it just friends and family or how how are you able to break through that resistance? Well, here's what here's what I'm surmising from the whole thing is that generations take about five to 10 years to be trained. Um, so what happened in the last, you know, 15 or 20 years was a big mistake where suddenly our music became devalued and people, I mean, once you can get free gasoline, why the hell ever pay for gas again? Right. So, yeah. Um, and I always say to people, I say, well, uh, my life ain't free. So I'm not going to make my music free. I, I put, I set all my prices for $8 uh, per release. And I also have a batch download where you can download my whole discography for 80% off. So that's like a hundred bucks for like all the records I've made. And some have gone for that. And there's mm-hmm. people, and this is wild, but I've had through the pandemic, um, there's people, of course, there's some folks who know me, there are people, and most of the time I find uh, the people who I, I get downloads through are people who are already my mailing on my mailing list. I have like 2000 people on my mailing list from all the touring I've done. And I also have like 5,000 friends on Facebook. So there's like a lot of people who, through that, that they'll see my links and they'll download. And uh, I've had now it looks like uh, through the pandemic, there's people starting to actually give me tips because I can have it set on Bandcamp where if I have an $8 record, it says $8 or more. So I always have it or more, like who's, who's going to complain about having their sandwich bought for them. So um, I have it set. So one time, uh, one of my uh, fans uh, spent $40 on my last record and just gave me 40 bucks. It was only eight bucks, but they gave me 40. And I had a couple, nice. like, quite a few doing that where they're starting to see that this pandemic is real. Um, they're, I don't, I, all I have is a Patreon. I have a, a Patreon and I have a couple online uh, music students. Like I teach, uh, uh, you know, banjo to a couple students. I teach uh, ukulele to a few students and guitar to a few students. And that's Mondays and Tuesdays uh, that I do that. And I've been doing that all along, but really my monthly expenses at the moment are being covered uh, by, and it's crazy, but last month I put out a record called love is in my tears and I got, uh, 26 downloads from that record and that record paid my groceries. Um, so I literally went out and bought my groceries from that, uh, money. And I, I can't thank Bandcamp enough. Like, I think that, you know, I also love that I can go to any song that I've released. Okay. I can do this. I can go on Google and I can write Dan for uh, some song title from, and I can't remember the name of the album. It was because I put out so many and I just, write the title and up comes the, the Google link for the song with the lyrics, with the album cover and with, uh, you know, a link to download it. So I can go and take that URL and paste it to my social media and I'll, people will check out the song. And lately what's been going on is a lot of people are on, on Facebook writing posts and they're writing these random posts about things. And I'll go, Hey, I got a song about that topic. And then I go and take the URL and, here, check it out. I already wrote a song about that. You know, some guys like, oh, this girl, she won't talk to me anymore. And she wants to friend zone me. So I wrote a song called baby of mine is happy just to be my friend. And, and, and then, <laughs> nice. you know, and then that guy gets a laugh out of it. So it's just really nice to have this like freedom and people don't have to be on Spotify. They don't have to be on, or sorry, they don't have to be on Bandcamp. 
to hear it. You know, you don't have to pay. They, they can just listen. So really useful for me. Nice. So one of the things you mentioned, and, and I assume you're not able to really do this right now because of the pandemic, but you said that you were doing a lot of house concerts. And I, I know you said you were playing like 150 shows a year and it looked like, like you were doing festivals as well. But talk a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about house concerts, how you got involved in doing that and whether or not you're able to do that throughout the pandemic. Okay. Well, um, I'm just going to definitely say that right now I'm in the shelter in place since March 12th and I haven't moved out of here. I've been in the house and going for a hike in the neighborhood and there's been offers. I've turned down quite a bit of gigs. Um, and I just, I'm just grateful that I can stand my ground and say, no, it's just not the time to be out playing. I I don't care if it's outside. I don't want to make memories playing for people with masks on. Like I don't want to think back to that era. I just want to get out when it's uh, the roaring twenties again (laughs) and it's the Charleston and everyone's out there giving her again and free. So I'm waiting till the pandemic's over. But um, looking back at my past, I had uh, a manager for a little while back in uh, 2004 and five, and he started the Winnipeg folk festival up in Winnipeg, uh, which is a pretty world renowned festival. It's really, really big. And, um, he was the kind of guy that he was very much in the folk scene, folk music. He was a Pete Seeger fanatic, uh, just a banjo playing old hippie guy. And, you know, he was always talking to me about grooming me and saying, okay, you got a certain percentage chance of making it uh, big as a singer songwriter and all that. And uh, he had managed Stan Rogers and folks like that before me. So I always felt like I was on a trajectory of sorts where I was going to go out there and, you know, get into the concert halls and all that stuff. But um, what happened was he, he was forming a little thing called Home Roots at the time. And it's a house concert circuit up in Canada. And basically what it is, it's like uh, 13 dates in a row where you're playing different little farm towns in rural Canada. And uh, all these people bring out their 30 friends and you play these, uh, and it's been vetted. Like it's basically the, the hosts mm-hmm. have been vetted. The house has been vetted. You're not going to turn up and play like some whole <laughs> terrible place. You're going to play nice houses. Usually uh, folks who like the music you're doing, they're, they're fans of actual music that involves acoustic music or whatever. And, uh, and I have my duo with my wife, Laurel. And uh, so we went out there and we, we did, we did home roots many times, but early on, in 2006 or seven, I played a home, home roots tour and I was by myself back then. And I remember just thinking, this is so weird because I'm in this little house and I'm in someone's living room and they've turned the couch around and they've moved me to, they've moved the fireplace and they put a little tiny uh, projector uh, screen behind the, uh, you know, the, you know, just to make it look like there's a backdrop. And, and I remember thinking it was very uh, sparse, but, I remember being really and really enjoying the, the 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 connection with the people and feeling yeah. like I could just kind of tell any old story I wanted. Like I didn't feel like I had to have a like Mr. Performer, a big performer guy. Like I was, you know, because when you're playing at a venue and people are paying twenty bucks to come see you, uh, it's a different thing. Like you feel like you have to put on some kind of like a, you know, I got to put my hat down like this and be like, you know, something yeah. special or whatever. But I realized that the house concert, it was like, okay, just bear it all. Uh, tell, you know, you're having a bad day, tell the crowd about it. And they'll, they'll be right there with you and they'll be your friends. And they'll all, you, you, you leave that night and they're all your friends. And then you sell the CDs in the intermission. And you also uh, get mailing list signups and a potluck and visiting and, and a jam after sometimes, which is really cool. Like the guy who, uh, booked you he's got an old martin guitar and he plays bluegrass too and he starts jamming with you for an hour after the concert and it's just way better like i would prefer house concerts now to any gig um you said festivals but that's petered out a bit for me too um i just i just got really focused on house concerts and my life became all about booking the next uh regional and this is what i would do is i would go to different regions of the country mm-hmm. and i would go to canada and i'd go to us and i'd usually go at the good time of year so i'd go down in florida on a certain time of year i'd go to 
uh, Boston at a certain time of year. And, and then I would book like two weeks worth of shows, you know, like about 10 gigs and uh, stay there for two weekends worth of uh, travel and come home. And it wouldn't always be that lucrative, but it was good for the heart. And I got the music out there and uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's the way to go. I think for me anyway. So prior to the pandemic, uh, Dan, how are you, how do you make most of your money from music? Was it from the house concerts or sort of a combination of, I know you said you do some teaching as well, teaching, selling music, kind of a little I bit think of everything. It was all, I think it was everything. Like I, I wouldn't really sit around and do uh, spreadsheets much because that would just stress <laughs> me out. I, I just go money comes and goes and I would take mostly an approach of like uh, just saying, okay, I paid all my bills and I have some more money than, than, really that's important to me is to always uh come out on top uh and yeah. and and not fall behind and that's kind of what's going on right now like with this situation i had to uh shift some of my in-person students which i was teaching around the neighborhood where i live and move them online and then get more online students uh that's the lion's share now i don't have like i have some downloads like yours like we were talking about with bandcamp and patreon which is a really great site. Um, I have people donating to me as almost like a, a life, life support system uh, at this point. And, um, but before this all happened, I was, I was really busy. I was going around and playing a lot of these local uh, cafes. Like I really love, I, I love playing cover tunes, uh, especially ones that I like from the 50s and 60s and 70s. So there were a few places that were hiring me where I was just going in and playing three hours straight and not taking a break and playing requests. And this phone I'm talking on right now, this iPhone, I never had a phone until last year. Like I got my first mm-hmm. iPhone and uh, folks were thought I was nuts, but finally got this iPhone. And my first thing was I got, I bought a clip for it to put on a mic stand and uh, really love that. I can just have this on my, uh, on my mic stand. And then when someone was like, Hey, can you play, uh you know some song from jackson brown that maybe i know the mu- like i know the music to a lot of songs but i don't know the words so i was yeah. looking up the lyrics and i'm going on my little phone and i'm writing I'm, I'm hitting the mic and going jackson brown late for the sky lyrics and then i'd play it for mm. them and the tips were rolling in from that because you know if you're able to do the human jukebox thing you can you can uh so that was really good um I did that a lot. And, you know, I think the thing with being a musician is you have to be diverse. You have to be like, okay, uh, here's a bunch of different things I can do. So there were some times where I was out uh, doing sessions for people. And uh, there's one group I was playing drums in and then another group I was playing bass in. And then uh, out in Winnipeg where I'm from, I was in five bands and I was playing like uh, freak out rockabilly music with one band on lead guitar. And then I was playing uh, bass with a, a, a fiddler, like a Canadian fiddle champion. And uh, so mm-hmm. like every, every hat you can wear, right? So yeah. I've always been into trying to, and then not only that, like styles of music, like uh, I remember this is a smart thing I did once uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, I started realizing that people were asking if my blues song was on this record. They didn't know the title, they didn't care. Like, mm-hmm. is that blues song on your record? So I started making records that were actually genre. Uh, they were basically based on genre. So I like good songs. That's all I care about. But uh, I started doing like, okay, uh, you're going to make a record that is all uh, bluegrass. And then folks who like bluegrass will just buy the record because they just, they don't, they just want sound, right? Um, so that was the survival instinct that kicked in in Winnipeg that worked well for a while. Um, sometimes you just have to do that. You have to just try to outsmart the, outsmart your situation. Um, and, uh, in my situation too, I have a lot of songs. I'm too many songs <laughs> and, uh, I just really love sharing music and I love playing live and uh, Bandcamp is like back to Bandcamp. It's the way that I was able to share everything I've done. And you know, a cool thing I did too, uh, is uh aaron is i've i've i should show you this i know no one can see on the podcast but i ordered these usb drives and they're really nice see they're made of wood mm, cool you can see? and 
And, and so you have I your ordered, mu you have your music on there. I have every album I've ever made on these. Uh, so I sell these a for a hundred dollars, and nice. I've actually sold like quite a few of them to people who are diehard fans, and they have them in their car, and they put yeah. the stick in their radio, in their MP3 whatever slot or their USB slot. And one guy said he hasn't taken it out in months. He was just listening to my stuff. So like that kind of thing really helps. I think having different ways to get your music out there, like different, like you, you have, uh, you're talking about licensing music and that's something I'd like to get into. And that's probably a really good uh, side thing. Have um, you done, have you, have you done any licensing, Dan? I, I thought that I saw in your bio that you, you had something synced in a film okay Am well I... here's what happened i was on emi publishing okay and yeah. and back in 1994 i got signed to them until 99 and in that time they put my stuff in one movie they the weird thing about emi is they they told me at their desk one day the big desk with the cushy chairs they said you know mm. we can't take risks like we used to where yeah. uh our name can be tarnished really quickly if we send a song to them and they're not into it we have to be absolutely certain. So they, they banked on this one song I wrote called Goodbye Monday, which I listened back to and I go, it's a good song, but I don't think it's that great. But they seem to love this Goodbye Monday song. And uh, they put it in a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called Brothers in Arms Universal Soldier Part Two, And it did well. I got good royalties from it for a long time. And, uh, and I was always saying, God, I've written so many better songs than that. I don't know why they would just like, <laughs> go on a bunch of other tunes, but um that's the scene hey eh? the business is weird have you pursued any other sync licensing since then or no, no, no i wanted you just to talk to you about that <laughs> you know yeah yeah i'll send you some uh, some resources after this that you can check out fantastic um but yeah i think licensing i i feel like it's still i mean this might be one of the best times ever to get involved in it just because it's one of the few things you you can still do right you know apart from is there is there anybody making movies though right like i'm assuming the movie scene is pretty shot I, I mean definitely a lot of projects were put on hold i'm i'm hearing i mean for sure without a doubt the industry has been affected but i'm still you know i'm still receiving money for things that i licensed last year because there's always sort of a, a delayed you know, from the time you license something, it takes three to six months usually to get paid. So money's still coming in and there's still TV stuff. You know, there's still TV shows that are. You are... Paid through, are you paid through the Performing Rights Society? Like, because they collect yeah. royalties through radio play too. And I find that it's usually like a, a good six months to a year and a half even after a gig or a radio play that you'll get paid. Yeah, I'm, I'm with, with ASCAP. Um, so I just got a check last month for last quarter 2019 so i guess that's a is your life months. more expensive in dominican republic or chicago what would you notice oh, that it's, there's it's, difference? it's it's much less expensive here which you know which is again back to our conversation earlier i mean that's one of the reasons that one of the other reasons just apart from the pandemic and and the flying and that whole situation one of the reasons that i've i've stayed here so long is that I've been able to minimize my expenses pretty, pretty dramatically, you know? So I, d I did a podcast about this a couple weeks ago that paradoxically this year, I mean, just apart from the stress of COVID and the pandemic and how our lives have, have been upended paradoxically, you know, my, financially I'm doing much better this year. I think it was a combination of things, but, but one of, the factors is that my overhead is so much lower here. I so. think that, you know, if you're a musician and you want to be a full-time musician, the biggest challenge as well as goal is to lock into the lowest overhead you can. And where I live Absolutely. right now, where I live right now, I lucked out and I've got a great, very understanding living situation with my landlord. And um, if I didn't have that, Oh, man, a dream can a dream can be ended like that. If you lock into the wrong uh, rental, especially in California, uh, it's over. <laughs> it's over, man. You can be out there yeah, like yeah. you know selling something other than music for sure. Uh, music is never like I'd say. Like there's a ninety nine percent of musicians that are like we were saying earlier that we got the big part of the pie, but you know it's like the it's like the Neil Young album after the Gold Rush, right? Like we're all scrambling for the little scraps that are left over in the last 30 40 years 
there was a time, like it's funny, EMI told me, I remember in 1997 or eight, they told me, said, Dan, if it was 1972, you would be huge. <laughs> like, I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you know, cause it's just, it's a different time now. It's not the same. So like, you know, we were saying it's good to like try to apply as many survival tactics as you can uh, diversify as much. Like I play weddings, you know, yeah, like yeah. Laurel, my wife is a violinist and she, before I knew her, uh, she was playing the, she's, you know, violent wedding violinist. And um, it's been great because uh, I play rock and roll. Right. And we play together. Like we've melded our music together, but we're like, a lot of people say we're very good for weddings because uh, she plays, you know, we play the, uh, you know, the uh, processional and recessional and all that with the pretty finger picking and the violin. And then everyone's getting drunk later. And I'm like cranking out like, you know, Neil Young and rock and roll songs and Tom Petty and whatever. So it, it's like things like that, that it, you got to try to imagine, okay, where's a little, little extra something I can do. And those weddings, some of them suck for me because, you know, it's like you're being asked to play songs that you just like, you don't really want to play. Um, but then at the same time, they pay better, you know, they pay better than your yeah. standard gig. Um, so I've played weddings. Uh, I've played a funeral. That was weird. <laughs> was really yeah, yeah that, that doesn't doesn't sound like a like a fun gig. So, what is the name of the the, the little town that you're in in California? Well, it's spelled B O N N Y, Bonnie, with a Y, mm -hmm. and and another word, Dune, D O O N, Bonnie Dune. And you said it's like, it's like a thousand people population, really small people, probably around. So, yeah. So is your, is the cost of living there? I mean, I'm just imagining compared to someplace like LA or San Francisco, that it, is it dramatically cheaper or a little bit cheaper or? Well, most, there's no part, there's no apartments here and there's no condos or anything. Most people here own homes. Yeah. So what we, what we have is basically an auxiliary unit, uh, a cabin that we rent and that's great. And I would say that's the best thing I can imagine. Uh, if I move next door, I probably would be under a completely different umbrella. Uh, yeah. It's not, it's not a, a cheap place to be at all where I live. The only thing that I've noticed, which is kind of funny, is uh, car insurance is cheaper here than in Canada, where I'm from. Winnipeg has so many potholes, and it's the lousiest drivers. <laughs> Some people are bad drivers. So they've racked up. Like, so it's kind of funny with my rental situation right now here. Um, I've managed to move here, and I think because the car insurance is cheaper, um, I'm actually paying pretty much what I was paying in Winnipeg to live. And the, the, I'm also an organic uh, vegeta vegan vegetarian. And uh, the food is way cheaper here if you're eating organically. Yeah. Then, like, what is it like for you? I mean, do you guys eat organic food? What's your situation? Do you garden? Like, what's it like there? Um, we don't do any gardening, but I mean, all the, the local produce, I, I mean, don't quote me. I want to say that most of it, is is organic or close to organic i mean i'm sure i can't say that with 100 percent confidence i know when i was in mexico they were telling me that you know they 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 use pesticides and it's becoming more and more more gmos i think that's less so the case in the dr but um you know great produce and great avocados and pineapples and coconuts and, and, and all that stuff. So I eat very healthy here, you know, very little processed Well, food I looked at and, you and, and you look like a healthy guy. Like, I think you're about my age and you look really, I try, you know, yeah, I try. you're not, you're not overweight. And uh, I mean, that's another thing about being a musician. It's really important to hike every day for me. Yeah, I have to stay yeah. in shape, especially in the pandemic. You just got to move. You can't just sit around watching Netflix over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I walk every day and, and swim and, and uh, try to stay, you know, as healthy as possible. It's definitely. So you swim in the ocean? Is there surfing there? I swim in the ocean. There, there is surfing. I haven't been since last year. I mean, I, I was never, I got into it a little bit a couple of years ago. I had a, a friend here that I gave guitar lessons to this girl and she gave me surfing lessons. So we, we kind of oh, did nice. this yes. barter and that lasted about three months. And I realized surfing is a lot harder than, than, than it looks. But oh, it's I would uh, be so freaked out. <laughs> yeah. But it's a lot of fun. But I love to swim. I swim almost every day, and that's one of my favorite things about being here is just walking on the beach. And I have a little spot that I go to and go for my daily swim. Do you write songs every day? I like your music. I like your stuff. Do you sit down and write every day, or do you wait till it's inspired? 
Um, I go through phases. You know, I, I've been quite prolific throughout this quarantine situation up until about a couple weeks ago, and, and it, things sort of slowed down. So for me, I don't know what what the lockdown was like for you, but it was it was a very strange, just surreal experience. And the first couple of weeks, I was uh, it's kind of hard to explain. It was just a weird situation in, in Cabarete, the town I was in. You know, overnight went from this this you know filled with tourists and a, and a lot of Canadians come to Cabarete a lot of Canadians and Americans and you know thousands of tourists to within a week it turned into a ghost town so it was it was a very strange kind of experience and so I just sort of turned to music you know during the first couple months of this like like much more I was much more prolific than than usual and um, yeah, I wrote a lot throughout this and a lot of recording and doing YouTube videos and kind of started focusing on building up my YouTube channel again. I got my I subscribers up too. Like I sent out a call for subscribers because I wanted YouTube to be able to do live streaming video for me. And I think you need a thousand uh, subscribers and I only have 550, which is uh -huh. not enough, but it's good. I mean, it's nice to have that many, but I, I got a... Yeah, I got to get on it again because YouTube is a really good tool. Um, I'd love to just live stream on there. I don't. I did live streaming. Like this is what I did actually because I'm extremely uh, deep need to share music. I can't go along without wanting to uh, jump online, and I found the live feature on Facebook really good. So I started off in March and April doing it every day. It got to a scheduled point where I was doing scheduled concerts like every day at noon for a while and I couldn't keep it up I I, I lost uh, momentum on that because um, I just I, I'm not good at uh, especially during this time when there's nothing scheduled I kind of wanted to relish in that <laughs> I wanted yeah, to have yeah. an experiment with myself where I'm like okay I want to only be on Facebook live when I'm in the mood to be on there so yeah, I started yeah. going okay well I'm in the mood at 12 47 p.m. some days so I've since then dropped the whole, you know, I don't do any planning. I don't do a Facebook event. And what I've noticed is uh, everyone's, some people are complaining. They're like, we never know when you're live. And then I go, well, <laughs> I've noticed a lot of people watch because I, I save the video so they can see it later. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed people, it's like Picasso. They'll discover it later kind of thing. You know, <laughs> they'll watch the stuff later and they'll like it later and they'll comment later. And I'll go, that's, that's great. Cause I, find that that way I'm only I'm putting out music when I feel like it and I'm inspired to and uh it, it's a great time it really is a great time the pandemic has its pluses uh yeah, I've yeah. you know noticed that yeah like songwriting um and and actually playing music has become I've become a lot better uh I've become a lot tighter my timing's better my uh I'm, I'm doing musical things that I wasn't able, like, because the thing about it, Aaron, it, I, I was in pain a lot. Like I was walking up with all my gear to these gigs every second day and my hands were sore. And most of the time after a three hour gig, I wouldn't want to play for the next day much. You know, it was like I was given a lot. Um, sure, sure. So now it's, it's convenient. I can give online for a half hour or a little bit and spend the rest of the time working on stuff. And I find I can get to, I've gotten to be more a natural musician is what it feels like. It's like a natural, like this is what I'd be like without all this music career stuff to worry about. Um, <laughs> do, you know? do, do you think, do you think that when the pandemic, that when the pandemic ends, ends, if and, if and when, when this, this pandemic ever ends, ever ends yeah. do you think that you, you, you will, will, uh, will, you will you go, go back, back to life, life as quote unquote normal or will you make some adjustments based on kind of tricks and, and, and things, things you've learned this year? year? Well, I think what I, I want to do, and uh, I get kind of a kick out of this thought, and it's probably going to happen, is I'm going to put a freaking world tour together. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically go on the tour of all tours, like the Bob Dylan never-ending tour to make up for this, because yeah. uh, I pretty much, that's what I want to do in my life. It makes me more aware of how much I, like I went to Europe a few years ago, and it was amazing, and I it's really what I want to do is, is, uh, you know, my dream would be to put together a great band and oh, go nice. out there and just give her, man, just knock the, blow the wall, uh, roof off places and have yeah, a great man. time. But, 
but man, you know, I, uh, the reality is going to be the reality. So I have to factor in, okay, if it's still contagious, what I'm expecting uh, with the pandemic, and I hope I'm, you know, in the realm of possibility here to expect this, is that uh, it'll be like H1N1, and they're still active out there, but there'll be far less cases. They'll get to a point where it's almost none. It'll be a non-issue, and yeah. uh, we won't even need a vaccine. I, I'm afraid of vaccines getting. I had to get vaccines when I moved to this country, which wasn't pleasant. Yeah, I don't like getting getting poked. Yeah, you got to wonder what's going on with all that stuff, you know. So I would say let's hope that it all gets to a point where it just fades, you know, and runs its course. And yeah, then we're able I, to. I, I hope so. Like you said, there's been a lot of upsides to, to this whole situation. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to tire of it. You know, like for a couple months, I was very positive about it and I'm going to roll with the changes and make the most of it, which I feel like, like, like I did, but the last month or so, I'm just kind of like, God, I'm so ready for this to, to end. I want to travel. You know, I want to get back to some sort of normalcy. Well, what I've done too is is we go, we go for hikes around the, this area here and, I tried to give myself a treat every week. So a few weeks ago, uh, about a month ago, I went and ordered some takeout Chinese food. And yeah. it just makes you, it just takes down the appreciate, uh, I guess your, it makes you appreciate things differently. So uh, I'm just trying to focus in on uh, the fact that I'm walking around the same trail, uh, you know, every day and going, okay, well, I, I'm just going to focus on something else to appreciate about this walk, yeah. walk today. Could be a lot worse. Yeah, you're health. You're healthy. You know, healthy is important. Yeah, I'm uh, taking home. Oh, this is another thing I should mention. Uh, I'm a little bit of a health nut, and I'm taking homeopathy right now, actually, to uh, uh, clear my system. And I've also ordered uh, a master cleanse. And right. the thing about my life before is, I I would have been on stage every three days, so I never would have had the chance to do a master cleanse. Like you just don't have the energy to, and I wouldn't have wanted to cancel gigs. So now with my situation, I've decided that this month I'm doing a major cleanse, like every organ in my body and uh, haven't started yet. I'm starting next week. And so, you know, it's a good time you caught me now. So I wouldn't be like, you know, I haven't excused myself. (laughs) It's a good idea. Haven't done any cleanses, but I've definitely been just, just more cognizant of you know, taking vitamins and vitamin C and I get a lot of vitamin D from the sunshine and exercise and, and just, just taking care of myself in, in general. It's a good time to take care of yourself. It yeah, really is. This is the time. And uh, master cleanse is a month long. So it's the month I, you know, I think I'll probably still be quarantined here at the end of September. So I might as well, you know, do this and see how I feel in four or five weeks from now. Maybe I'll be a whole new lease on life, right? I'll bring you back on the podcast and, and you can give us an update on, on yeah. Master Cleanse. <laughs> well, listen, let's do this. We're, we're closing in at about an hour. It's been great chatting with you today. Um, so one sort of, you know, I want to give people your website address and or addresses, you know, tell people where they can learn more about you. But to sort of circle back to the Spotify Bandcamp issue, do you think... I mean, obviously, your opinion is a musician shouldn't even be on Spotify. Do you think part of the answer is musicians just refusing to go along with these platforms? Or do you think to to each their own? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, everyone can do whatever they want. I think the sad thing about it is there's not there's no unification barely at all. So everyone's just and they're all like uh, the media just kind of and the media and the peer pressure and all this just kind of gets everyone to go throw all their stuff on there for free. So I think what needs to happen is people need to see how good it is to be on a site like Bandcamp and how you can feel respected as a musician. You can get paid. And one thing I did is I had Dan and Laurel, my wife and I, Mm -hmm. we had uh, two of our records on Spotify two years ago and we tried it. You know, I tried it and we got Mm -hmm. this stupid ass check for so little money. I just said, man, this is so dumb. And we had like uh, quite a few plays and I just went, you know what? I wanted to just say, okay, I'm taking a stand. And what I did was I removed all my music from there. And I announced that I did it. I went on Facebook and announced that I removed my music from Spotify. I just said, I'm, I don't want to be part of this. Um, and there was a thing out called Sonic Bits about 10 years ago. 
And it's this horrible site, horrible site. They were a middleman and they had this platform they put together. There's these like scoundrels out there that put together these sites. You got to watch for them. And they act like they're your friend or the musician friend. They're out to help you and help you get exposure and all this stuff. And meanwhile, when you really look at the numbers, they're just making you gamble and screwing you. So I see it, you know, and I, I remember back 10 years ago, I was one of the first musicians to go and I had my three, 4,000 friends on Facebook at the time. And I went online and I just shit all over uh, uh, Sonic Beds. And I brought a lot of awareness to uh, how crappy it was. And I think with Spotify now, there's a lot of people sending around this latest, uh, the, the one you did, like this horrible photo of Daniel Eck and he looks like, like a real sleazeball. And they're sending around this, this article where he's saying we have to be his little slaves. We have to bend over, be his slaves, bust our butts, make yeah, like we, gotta, we, we have to work here. harder. That's what he said. That's the content pro- content providers for his greed, you know. And I'm yeah. thinking we can't do that. I, I say let's try to uh, like why are we all like we're musicians? Why the hell are we so into this corporate structure? Why are we so uh, in like in, in, involved in it? Why are we allowed letting it happen? Yeah, doesn't have to well, happen. I think it's the 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 hope, you know, in the in the dream that you're going to be one of the artists that that break through and you get extra exposure and you generate millions of streams and make a couple thousand dollars. But but yeah, at the you end know of the you day, do that? Like, like, you, you do yeah. that by being Glenn Hansard, and you do that by having a movie about you, and suddenly it's a big deal because Glenn Hansard before the movie, right? What was happening? He was out there putting a hole oh, in yeah, yeah. busting around yeah. a man and giving her in yeah, London, well, England, right? So like all these that? people, I think some people, um, they're meant to be famous. They're meant to be, they have a certain quality about them. There's a certain type of thing going on. So my goal in music has, has always been, I think in yours too, is to survive and to yeah. thrive as a musician. So I always had a quote I came up with is, I want to make it so big in music that I don't care if I don't make it in the music industry. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, lo- I like I like your attitude. It, you got. I think you really have to focus. Like for me, it's all about uh, uh, success or not. Here I come, and I go out there and I I connect with the musician, uh, the musicians, and the people who make me feel at home. Right. Uh, if they don't make me feel at home, then I don't focus on it. I just go away from it because there's so many things you can focus your energy on as a musician. So many places you can put your energy. So you have to be careful about where you put your energy and make sure you put it where you're supported and where you yeah. feel like, you know, really. Yeah. And where, where you see a reward for the work and effort that, that you put in. I mean, if you're throwing in hours and hours of, of hard work and producing music and putting it out and you're just not seeing any, you know, reward, any fruits of your labor, then at a certain point you have to question whether or not it makes sense to continue d- down that, that route. And sometimes, like I said, success or not, here I come. I put out a record of banjo. I call it banjo memos. <laughs> yeah. And I have my new, I have a banjo student in France. Uh, and I uh, basically signed on for lessons. And I had to buy a tenor banjo. And I started realizing that I was playing all these tunes. So I was doing voice memo recordings of these new tunes I was writing on banjo. So I just put it out as banjo memos. And it's not popular. <laughs> it's not. Uh-huh. It's not making me look cool. It's not making me... I'm not going to ever probably get much out of it. Uh, but somehow for me, it feels really good to have put it out. And, uh, and I don't care if it's not going to grab me and super catapult me to stardom. I think, and, and I don't ever think that way. I just kind of go, music is like here, we want to be content providers for the soul, not for a corporation. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So like if someone out there may, finds my music down the road, they can discover it and and at their own pace uh get through music and and uh it's a huge that that's a that's a beautiful thing i'm glad i have the gift to give and we all have to give give our gifts that's important you know absolutely well listen dan uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast i i I really appreciate it this is the first in probably several podcasts i'll be doing about spotify i'm going to bring on a few different people and just get different people's perspective i have another artist lined up who who is doing relatively well so it'll be nice to hear from you know just different perspectives and 
at the end of the day, everybody can make their own mind up. Uh, let's tell people, though, well, a couple things. Let's tell people where they can learn more about you. What is your, what's your website address? Well, I am on uh, Facebook. If you look up Dan Frechette songs, and my name is spelled Dan, and last name is F-R-E-C-H-E-T-T-E, so Frechette uh, songs, and that's my page. Uh, my actual Facebook account is jammed packed with 5,000 friends. So I have a website called uh, danfrechette.com, uh, uh, D-A-N-F-R-E-C-H-E-T-T-E. Uh, also, uh, I'm on Bandcamp. So yeah. if you yeah. look up my name, Dan Frechette on Bandcamp, you'll find my my music there. So, And I have a YouTube channel. Cool. I'll link to all your, your websites and your Bandcamp below the podcast so people can look there as well. Um, and then what I usually do, Dan, it's, it's been a while since I've done this, but what I, I usually do is I, I feature a song from whoever the guest is on each podcast. So do you have, and I know you have 1500 songs, so you have a lot, I know you at least have one. Do you have one that, that comes to mind that we could play at the end of the podcast just to close it out? Yeah, absolutely. I can send it to you right away. I'll send you a Dropbox link to it. Okay. Do you know which one it will be or, or will you have to yeah. go through? It's a song called uh, New York City Sundance that I'm really proud of. I did it with my wife uh, in 2018 on an album called Driving by Candlelight. And uh, that's on Bandcamp. And it's an album that's it's a track I'm most proud of from that song, album for sure. Cool. And what is it called? New York City? City New, New, York, New York City Sundance. New York City Sundance. Excellent. Dan, thanks so much, man. Like I said, I really appreciate it. I will, um, let's keep in touch and I'll send you the finished podcast when it's ready in a few days, probably. And I will share it. <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye. Have a great day. City Sundance I was breathing all the air It's about time I got the world Out of my head The gods, they must be crazy Cause I've been sending it to the sun feeling that I hoped someday that I'd become someone that you can call me friend but I better feel that way cause I'm young inside not living no life loving something with my faith yeah 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 loving something Steering clear from the dark When I was watching the wheels on fire While I lit my spark And everywhere I was hungry And everywhere I was free I was inside begging home in me But you can call me friend But I better feel that way Cause I'm young inside Living no life But what's up
Watch the wheels slowing down You can call me friend But it better feel that way Cause I'm young inside And I've been living no lies Love at some point